podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Welcome back to the Bosco's Boys podcast. Um, it's Grant KSU here without Mr. Scott Wildcats, but we are here with a familiar face. I think it's our all-time leading guest. Of course, it's Jimmy Goheen, a.k.a. KSU underscore fan. What's going on, Jimmy? I haven't seen you in forever. It's nice to see you. Oh, not not too much. Just watched a bunch of football the last couple of days. Watched the Cats lose again. Enjoyed the, enjoyed the Texas Bowl. Um. Glad it's finally warming up. Cold weather this week and some snow was kind of a pain, but it's kind of nice to see a little bit of snow, but you hate it. You kind of like that in December, not till January. Yeah, we've had like four or five actual cold days this year, and we're, we're bitching about it. It's kind of funny. We've been pretty yeah. blessed so far, but yeah, I don't like the single digit uh, cold. I, I'm, I'm, much, I'm a winter guy um, yeah. over summer. I hate the summer. I don't know what it is, but I like have opposite seasonal depression. I get, I get crazy in the summer, but uh, I it's even as a winter guy, the, those single digits, they, they're no good. No, I agree with you on that. Well, let's just get into it. And before we do, I'm going to talk to you about, of course, our favorite sponsor, Spotify green room. Uh, we've been hanging with them for a good while now. Um, it's the live audio only sports talk platform. It's free to download, free to use. Um, we've been doing it after games. We've been doing it, uh, you know, during the football season, we would do a preview and get a bunch of people in the room, just talk about the upcoming game, talk about some talking points um, about our opponent. It's, it's a lot of fun. You talk to me, Scott, other fans, sometimes some athletes pop in, sometimes insiders like, like you, insiders like Derek Young pop in. Um, it's really fun for watch parties, you know, debates, post-game breakdowns, react, reacting to breaking news. It's great. You guys should download it if you haven't already. Spotify or Green Room. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Um, and unfortunately, we have to start off on a somber note. Um, talk about Matt Miller a little bit. Um, Matt passed away former K-State quarterback, he uh, had an 18-month kind of battle with prostate cancer. He was, you know, best known as K-State starting quarterback at, uh, in the 1995 season, led the Cats to their first ever 10-win season, uh, holiday bowl win, first ever top 10 finish. At the time, he set single season passing records, as well as the highest completion percentage record in a season at 64%. He earned a second team all Big 12 honors. For his career, he finished with uh, school records for passing efficiency and yards per completion. And, you know, he was just a warrior um, as a quarterback and as a human being. He battled through crazy multiple injuries in that year, uh, concussions, separated shoulders, and would always come back somehow. Um, and he was part of some of the most iconic plays and wins in K-State history, you know, like the walk-off touchdown to Kevin Lockett and dismantling KU in a top 10 matchup um, as well as I think our biggest victory ever against Oklahoma 49 to 10. Matt was right before my 
<laughs> my brain really came online for K-State. Um, I would have been – I was mistaken. I thought he was also there in 96, um, but I'm wrong. So I really never saw Matt Miller play. I have, like, maybe some some twitches of light memory um, about the 95 season. I feel like I kind of remember being at the Colorado game, but I really have no memories of, of Matt Miller. Um, so I'm going to let you talk about your memories of Matt Miller because you've probably got quite a lot of them. I do. Um, uh, Miller's, Miller's year as quarterback was my junior year at K-State. So um, I remember it vividly just the uh you, you mentioned a bunch of the stuff the the beating o- oklahoma ku was top 10 and we whipped them 41 to 7 that year um that walk-off win versus cincinnati nine wins as a starter because he you know he played he started the the bowl game but got knocked out pretty quickly um he was he was a like you said a tough quarterback played through injury um really good thrower but you know he he was also after Chad May, kind of the beginning of the quarterback run game for Snyder, it wasn't quite as prevalent as as Bishop and Beasley and Roberson um, at the end of Snyder 1.0. But he Matt Miller was kind of the start of that. He averaged almost 12 carries a game. Of course, a couple of those were sacks. Ran for 300 yards um, that season, and <clears throat> you know was was a pretty sort of a dual threat. The first dual threat Snyder really used up. You know, Smart Jessio. Had, had a decent amount of carries, but I think he had a lot of sacks too. So <clears throat> I remember that. Um, you mentioned that Colorado game. That was one of the toughest games um, as far as a loss goes because two, two top 10 teams playing in Manhattan. Um, I remember K-State came back, um, had this fantastic drive with – you know, five or six minutes left in the game, drove down the field. The, the, the one play I distinctly remember is we ran a throwback play. I think it was like a toss sweep and then – or a reverse. And then Miller actually caught the ball out of the backfield for a huge force first down. It might have been on a fourth down, if I remember right. And K-State goes down and scores, takes the lead. And then Colorado just – seemed like four straight passes over the top, scored in like two minutes – to take the lead in case they got the bat ball back with, with some time left. And then if I remember right, there was a bad snap or something and Colorado recovered the ball in the end zone and ended up winning by 10 points. Um, <clears throat> but just so many, so many good, good wins that season. Like you said, 10 first 10 win season. My other antidote of story is uh, I ended up teaching later on uh, early in my career with Matt Miller's wife and uh, he, I never met him, but he got me tickets to two or three games for K-State that season, including going to Texas Tech to beat, to watch Texas Tech destroy us when L. Roberson and Matt, uh, <laughs> uh, Mark Dunn rotated during that game. But he, he was he was a good guy. Um, and, I mean, as a, as a guy that's about his age to, to see uh, uh, <clears throat> the cancer, the prostate cancer, that, you know, rings some alarm bells for me as well, just – reality of life and and being careful with your health and making sure you're getting stuff like that checked i'm i'm at that age so just those are kind of my rambling thoughts on on matt miller but um just a sad deal to to see that happen and see it happen so quickly yeah it's very sad um you know 49 years old way too young um but you know he will be remembered as 
a great K-State guy, but just a really good person off the field. Um, we're going to probably, I mean, Scott controls the Twitter for an obvious reason <laughs> for the show, but uh, I think we'll probably um, link his GoFundMe that will help his family kind of cover the ancillary costs of hospital care and uh, just help out with the future. He's got three daughters, unfortunately, that are going to survive him. So uh, we will put that in the show as it drops. Um, but just rest in peace, Matt Miller. Thoughts go out to him and uh, family. But let's get into uh, some basketball, and we'll talk a little bit football later. Um, Jimmy, it's same old, same old. Unfortunately, Ooh. K-State drops to 8-6, and 0-3, oh um, losing on the road to West Virginia shorthanded. My question for you, are you able to take any, you know, kind of moral victories, any positives out of the last two games, considering we've played so shorthanded, or is it time for us to just, you know, shit or get off the pot? We have to have results, and that's that's that. In in a typical K State season, mm-hmm. I could find and and grasp for some positives from those two games, but at the end of the day, after the last two seasons, um, it's it's performer be done. And, you know, that's just a sad reality. I like Bruce. I, you know, respect him. I think he's a good coach, but um, the numbers for the last two seasons speak for themselves. It's one of the worst back-to-back season um, winning totals and winning percentages in in K-State history. In fact, I think it's the second worst in conference play going back to K-State joining the big six in 1929. So, we're talking nearly 100 years of basketball, and it's the second worst back-to-back season performances of any coach. So, um, at, at the end of the day, that that puts the ultimate pressure on the coach to to get something done. And and this team has got to go to the tournament, and it's got to win games, or Bruce should rightfully be gone. And that's just the sad reality. Even though you like the guy, even though he did some really good things here, uh, two Big 12 tournament. Uh, two Big 12 titles and uh, an Elite Eight, but uh, winning's the name of the game at this level. I agree. I think, you know, I mean, I like Bruce, but it hasn't taken much for this season to really kind of put the nail in the coffin for me that it's time, you know, it's just stale. It's time to move on. I don't see it getting much better going forward. I'd love to be wrong. Um, And you feel for the guys, um, being shorthanded because they put in two pretty, pretty gutsy performances back to back being, you know, very shorthanded due to the COVID, but it's unfortunately you said it, the two previous seasons have kind of kind of nicks any sort of uh, grace that we would be willing to give them. Um, and man, seven and 32 in our last 39 conference games. And I don't see how much, how much uh, we're going to improve going forward. Uh, four out of our next five games are against ranked opponents. Um, the Big 12 is just an absolute gauntlet. So it's tough. But what, I mean, what have we done so well, you know, or what have we done differently against Texas and West Virginia to start off so well? Because prior to those games, we had made it a habit to start extremely slow and kind of inch our way back in the game. But these last two games, we've been on fire. Is it just we're making shots or what's different? Well, I mean, making shots is a big one. You know, against Texas, we shot 44% from three in the first half. Against West Virginia, we shot 47% from three. 
we averaged over 1.515 points per possession, which is really good. Scored 40 points and 35 points, um, if you just want the traditional stats. So <clears throat> we played well on offense, but we also played well on defense. We held both those teams under 30 points, 29 uh, for Texas, 27 for West Virginia, and uh, <clears throat> under point or 1.0 points per possession. So you combine playing well on offense, hitting shots, and then playing good defense, and, and you build a, a good lead. But unfortunately, the second half was pretty much a, a, an exact flip in both those games as, as both uh, UT and West Virginia scored over 40 points, held us under 30 points. In fact, Texas held us to 22 points and uh, <clears throat> pretty miserable shooting percentage in that game as we went 0 for 9 from 3 in the second half. We were, you know, better against West Virginia, but we still ended up 4 for 15, which is 26, 27%. So, you know, it's you, you can't – you got to play two halves of basketball. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate to get nice leads. You know, you lead by 6 and then you lead by 13, and you'd hope you'd win one of those two games, but in case they couldn't do it. We were, I think, leading it by 16 at one point in that second half against West Virginia. And I mean, it was a, it was a case of, you know, we were missing open shots uh, in Morgantown and you just have to, it is what it is. You, you've got to make those shots. And at the end of the day, the team that makes points wins the game. And, and shots at the rim. I mean, we missed West Virginia was just yeah. ugly. The, I mean, there was they did not really stop us in the second half, even though we didn't play good defense. They did not completely stop us. We just we couldn't we couldn't finish and couldn't score. It's unfortunate, um, and it's another loss <laughs> in the column. Um, yeah, I want to ask you how. I'm going to rephrase this question. How how would you grade uh, our free transfers so far? Because I've been impressed. Well, that yeah, that's the other tough part. Is you know I would guess I would put. Um, Marquise Noel is, you know, an A, A minus. He's been superb. He might be our best player some games, maybe our second best player. In fact, I've even mentioned to some people as I've talked to him, I would almost rather have, I'd, I want both players, but if I had to have one player out for a game, I'd almost rather have Nigel Pack out than Marquise Noel just because he does so many things with the basketball in his hands. Of course, Nigel Pack's been on fire and shooting really well. So um, that that's, you know, it's one or the other, but I like the guy that can create. Mark Smith has had some, some wonderful moments, you know, the, the huge game with what, what do you have 26 points and 15 rebounds. Mm -hmm. um, I would make him more of a B. He's been a little more inconsistent, but <clears throat> he's really changed his game at K-State. He's become our best rebounder. He wasn't a huge rebounder at, at Illinois or Missouri. He used to chuck threes, five or six threes a game. He's shooting two or three a game. More of a driver, distributor. Um, he's been really good. Ish Masood, um, I would be lower, more like a C, maybe a B some games. He still struggles to play defense. He still struggles um, to rebound. But he can shoot. You know, he's shooting, you know, 36, 37% from three and is a real threat and has made huge shots in each of these three games at times. So, you know, he, Bruce Weber far surpassed any imagination I had for um, what he would grab for the transfer portal. 
which makes this season even more frustrating because you look at those guys combined with who we had left with Pack and Radford and Eziagu and, and Selton. And most seasons, this would probably be fourth, fifth, sixth best team in the league. But we're struggling to be ninth this year. And it's going to be a struggle to be, be, be past that. I guess we'll find out more this week when we play TCU. But that's, that's the sad part is I do think Bruce did a good job. But, you know, he's in a tough league. And those are the breaks. There's no excuses. Yeah, what I did not expect is those that group of three transfers to be so effective, and I didn't expect so much regression, um, you know, from a large portion of that young group yeah. of guys. Yeah. Namely, um, well, we could talk about Bradford, but I have Selton Miguel on here. How? What is wrong with Selton? How can we get him rolling um, with his game? With his game style and the way he likes to play, you know, what would you be doing to get the ball in his hands uh, to get his offensive uh, contribution moving? Well, I mean, really, I think we've been doing it for the most part. He's not a big three-point shooter. and In fact, he hasn't made a three yet in Big 12 play. It's only three games, but uh, he hasn't made a three yet. Um, but he's only making um, – 43% of his twos, and those are the majority of his shots. And most of those are not jump shots. He's trying to drive. I mean, he's doing what I think he should do. He's driving the ball, but he just cannot finish. He cannot finish. He should be shooting 55 60% with the shots he's getting. They're tough shots. I get that, but <clears throat> he's a big, strong guy. He's older than, you know, what he's, his age is because he's an older guy. Um, coming from Angola, but um, it's disappointing to see him not be able to finish and not be able to make plays at the rim, which is really what he's got to do. He's been a solid rebounder, um, but, you know, if, if we're not getting him um, finishing at the rim, it's just it's, he's not going to be the scorer we need him to be, and that's why he's, you know, he's at, what, eight points a game, which isn't awful, but he's got to be better. Yeah, I mean, I would have expected him before the season to be challenging for our leading scorer and to be one of our go-to guys, and he just hasn't been that. Um, I do think we should talk about Bradford. I don't have anything down about him, but he has been a monumental disappointment so far this year, and I think, you know, I was willing to give him a pretty big pass early on in the season coming off of pneumonia. He clearly gained a little bit of weight and, you know, Pneumonia is going to take it out of you. That's going to set you back probably two to four weeks until you're back to 100%. And I think we probably had enough time since that uh, time period for him to be, you know, kind of getting back to his baseline. And we're not seeing it. I don't know what it is with him, but he just looks weak. He looks timid. He's not finishing the shots that he did last year around the rim. What in the hell was going on with Bradford? I'm sure everyone else on the coaching staff is asking the same thing. Yeah, he's he's shown flat. I mean, the disappointing part is he's shown flashes. Mm -hmm. Even early in the game against West Virginia, he made two two shots around the basket, but I think he missed his last four. And he had the one in the second half where he was all by himself and got blocked from behind. Um and sometimes he just doesn't look like he has enough explosiveness to get to the rim, even though he's seven feet tall. And, and you, you know, you pretty much nailed it. And uh, he's 
decent at rebounding, but he's not a great rebounder for his size. So he's got to be that guy that finishes every time around the rim, and he's not doing that this year. And that's that hurts his team because if you know he makes a couple of those shots down the stretch in the second half when he had shots around the basket, you know, you know maybe it's a one point game at the end in case State has a chance to win it and not mm-hmm. for prayer. So that that's tough. And you know, hit Bradford's regression and and Selton's re- regression is really, you know, it's it's been tougher. It's made things a lot tougher, definitely for for Bruce, even with the three transfers playing better than we thought. So here's the here's the question that everybody is, you know, focusing on I and probably losing hope. Is there is there any hope for a postseason bid? Scott seems to think seven and eleven uh, will get us in um, in the Big Twelve, but I'm not super sold on that. I'd be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on that prediction, but we didn't move the needle really at all in uh, any non-conference games we dropped really all the ones that may have moved the needle and I guess you know depending on who those wins are 7-Eleven probably would get us on the bubble and maybe that's what Scott said that it would get us on the bubble he's probably freaking out uh, listening to this but what do you think is there any chance we can hit that mark is there any hope there's always hope but it's diminishing at this point. Um, here's the deal. K-State has one quad and one and two win right now. They're one and four in quad one and oh and two in quad two. And you need probably nine, eight or nine combined quad one and two wins to, to get on the bubble. You know, so that's seven, seven wins at the big 12 would probably get us to eight quad one and two wins which would put us on the bubble but <clears throat> I think to get in we need eight big 12 wins minimum maybe nine and I and I you know I would combine that with the big 12 tournament as long as you're not playing the 10 seed in the in the tournament if you're the if you're playing the nine seed it may be tight but you know I think this is a, a bit a, a league that's going to get seven bids maybe eight so you're going to have tons and, and tons of opportunities to get quad one and two wins, but you, you're now looking at, we have 15 big 12 games left and you've got to win eight. So that means you're going eight and seven the rest of the way and everybody's good. You know, we'll see TCU this week and TCU is mm-hmm. probably the other worst team in the league besides us. And then that's, and that's what magnifies losing the games to Texas and, in West Virginia, when you have a lead at halftime, is it it shrinks your margin of error to zero. Mm-hmm. You know, our margin of error was already not very big, but we've pretty much shrunk it to zero. And like I said, I'm not willing to use COVID as an excuse this year. It's just not valid to me. You just got to find a way. And, and COVID isn't going to be a legit reason for me. I think that's fair. Um, I'm sick and tired of it. I can't wait for it to be over. I want, I want some fresh blood, but uh, let's talk about football before we do that. Let's talk about Spotify green room folks. It's the live audio only sports talk platform free to download, free to use. Talk with me, talk with fan, talk with DY other Taylor Bratt came on the other night and you can ask him questions about recruiting. It's a great place to come meet other K-State fans, you know, expand, 
expand your K-State circle and talk all things K-State with us. My, my experience with the app has been nothing but a pleasure. Um, it's perfect for watch parties, debates, game breakdowns, breaking news, all that good stuff, yada, yada, yada. Break or go, go uh, download it for free, Spotify Green Room. And then uh, follow us and see when we open our rooms. Um, but let's get let's get to talking about something a lot more fun. Um, LSU, Colin Klein, some general football questions. I had a great time uh, watching that game. How much fun was it to absolutely batter a big SEC brand? It was a blast, and and I don't care about any LSU deficiencies in the roster or whatever. It was. A ton of fun. I, I thought we'd win the game based on their uh, their roster issues, but I did not I did not see us doing it like that. I didn't think we'd just destroy them and move the ball on them. Pretty much at will. I mean we we made their defense look like KU most of the game. I thought. I mean we just kind of did what we wanted. You know we made you know made big plays on third down, which was a big key to the to keep racking up and keeping those drives going third down and fourth down, but. We still have tons of big plays. You know, we averaged, what, I think almost seven yards of play. We were at five points per drive, which is the only other game we did that this year was against KU and Lawrence. So there was nothing, nothing I can say real negative about the game. I thought we played really well, and I agree with you. It was, it was a ton of fun to beat LSU badly. Wow. Weird news, breaking news, Bob Saget has died. Wow. My wife just showed me a picture, which I thought was very random. And Wow, surprising. he's not that old. I know, 65 years old. Well, how did he die? I don't know. He died, but sorry. Wow. Sorry, everyone, for bringing more sadness to this podcast. RIP Bob Saget. Um, yes, anyways, that game was an absolute blast um, from start to finish. I, I can't remember a game that I had so little – stress about um just yeah. from the very initial kickoff it was it was comfortable and it was just a pleasure to watch and i tell you what jimmy sec fans love to contradict themselves because it, it either it either means more or it doesn't matter at all and it's a pointless game i was blown away by like the two the 48 hour long twitter reactions from you know casual fans diehard fans to you know analysts players I mean, it was seriously making the rounds, and it was great. I, I loved watching them squirm, and K-State Twitter did a great job at, at yeah. twisting the knife. Yeah, and my, my thing was, as much as they downplayed it, there was none of them that thought they would get beat that bad. Hell no. And, and most of them thought they would beat us. Most of those LSU fans legitimately thought they would beat us. But as the game went along, sure. it became, well, we don't care. It doesn't matter. Why are you guys celebrating this win? Blah blah blah. It was just stupid. It was dumb. Yeah, it was. It was a very classic uh, uh, deflection. That it was a very quick one eighty. I guarantee. Yeah, I, that's a great point because I guarantee if if you could have talked with you know a handful of those fans prior to the game, all of their predictions would have been probably a, a, a handy LSU win. Yeah. So it was nice to to kind of put them in a grave. Deuce put up his numbers again. He had four total touchdowns, which is a school bowl game record, 146 rushing yards and a passing or a receiving touchdown. Do you think our man has a legit shot at some Heisman looks next year? I, I don't see why not. I think he's that good. Yeah, I, there's no reason he won't be in the conversation. 
Um, I think um, his his size, his demeanor, the comparison to 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 uh, Darren Sproles, and just the, his. I mean, he's got a cool name too. I mean, you just have a lot of things there yes. that that help with the with the propaganda that really goes into being a Heisman candidate. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I think um, the other thing about it is is I think. Chris Kleinman will be much more adept at promoting it than Bill Snyder was. Although I think, I think Bill did promote the heck out of Darren Sproles more than, and they did quite a bit with Colin Klein too. But, but I, I, I think from the jump, they'll be putting stuff out there about Deuce and, and I, his, you know, his numbers speak for themselves of 1800 yards total over 1800 yards this year, 1400 yard rusher. Um, those are legit numbers. And then, you know, the per play stats rank up there with any back, the total TDs, the rushing TDs, even at our pace, even at a slow pace, Deuce put up ridiculous numbers that are in the top 10 for any running back in top five for most um, in the country, not just in the big 12. So he, he should get a look. And, and you know, my, my hope is that at minimum, he's a, a invitee to New York city next year. That would be incredible. And, I mean, I think he's got it in him. Um, I agree that, you know, Kleiman, not only Kleiman, but our media department, he's in great hands. He's in great hands. One of the best media departments um, in the country. They do such a great job at, you know, representing our university and putting together all sorts of great stuff uh, for the players. So I I think I'm excited to see what they can do for Deuce. And, you know, I just hope, I hope that we can have, the team around him to yeah. you know, kind of give him that platform because, you know, eight and four, seven and five, not going to be enough to get him invited probably because it's a bullshit yeah. popularity contest, unless he just goes off and has like 2000 yards or something. Um, yeah. We got to be good. We got to, we got to take advantage of him next year. And uh, we don't have our, our veteran quarterback, Skyler. He went out on top. 21 or 28, 259 yards and three touchdowns. I thought he was excellent. Um, where does this performance rank for you in, in Skyler's history? I, it, would, it would definitely rank, I think, in his top five performances. Um, I know we're going to talk about Klein, but if Klein gets a bowl bonus, he should give part of it to Skyler okay. because I think Skyler helped him win the offense coordinator job, and he pretty much made it impossible for Kleiman not to hire Klein because he, the offense looked so good. And a lot of that was Thompson making plays. I mean, they executed well, but some of those third down plays, the third down runs, that fourth and two run, some of the scrambles Thompson made and then threw it out to uh, different guys. Weber was one time, Warner a couple times. Um, and then, you know, the guys made plays for him too. You know, Knowles had some big plays in the passing game. Thompson, you know, he he might have thrown the best throw he's ever thrown to Thompson on that play action 100%. in his career. Yeah. In his career, so you can't say enough. And, th- and there was not one there was not one designed quarterback run play for Thompson in the entire game. It was all you know. He had four runs and they were all scrambles, and he he picked up positive yards. I think he ran for forty yards, taking out the sacks on four runs. So it was definitely great. Um, and his, you know, he had kind of an up and down career. I mean, I think he would even say that. But when he was healthy, 
and when he was, you know, at his best, he was definitely one of the best quarterbacks K-State's had. And, you, I mean, I've, I've broken down the numbers, too. If you look at the numbers under Kleiman with Thompson at quarterback, it's like 2.6 or 2.7 points per possession, which would rank in the top 20 any season nationally. And it fell off a lot without client, without Thompson at quarterback under Kleiman. So he meant a lot to the program. And I think if he's healthy all both these last two years, I think, you know, K-State has an eight or nine win season, at least one of those two years. So uh, a nine win season. I mean, so that, that was, that's the disappointing part is that there's a little bit of what if, but he still was, you know, and he's a great dude. That's the other thing about it. He's a great dude. Yeah great leader and there's not enough positive you can say about him yeah i he was amazing um that night at kind of extending the play navigating the pocket knowing when to run i agree he probably did help klein quite a bit because early on in the night we were behind the sticks you know a few times early on in those drives trying to run those east to west runs got blown up by that lsu speed and skyler kind of just patiently made some big plays that fourth down run was incredible um somehow on you know one leg essentially shimmying past yeah. a couple of defenders and making yeah. him look silly was a great play but let's talk about the man uh that won himself a job uh promotion klein he got got the oc officially after what was a pretty great audition do you agree with this appointment were you hoping for another name what are you thinking no i i do agree with it just because he's a young guy with it you know, with a pedigree, I mean, I, I can see the case people made for, you know, perhaps going out, you know, you would rather, the one thing about Klein is he's really only been at K-State, you know, but he has been a co-OC for, for one season, the last year of uh, Snyder. So he's, he's been there, he's been part of this system. And I think he's going to blend, he's going to blend. I think he's still going to play the way climate wants to play which is a little bit slower on offense which as long as it's not 57 plays a game if we can be more like 65 plays a game or something that's livable and uh i you know he he did enough you know he did some some fun few fun new things a few fun new plays but then just a few little tweaks to the way we do things that i really was encouraged by in the bowl game Tell me about those tweaks. What did he do differently against LSU that made our offense tick more than it has in the past? Well, I think the biggest thing is is uh, we broke the huddle. Sometimes we would go hurry up a few times, but we'd break the huddle with 20, 18 to 20 seconds left and get to the line of scrimmage. And then we did a ton of che- – we did some check with me where uh, Thompson would look to the sideline and then Thompson had time to make changes as well. And, uh, you know, the, the Messingham system was more break the huddle with 10 seconds left. And there wasn't that ability to change plays as easily, I, I didn't think. And, and that breaking of the huddle quicker did make the, it seem like we did play faster, though we really didn't compared to the season as far as, you know, seconds per play. And, you know, even 62 plays in the game wasn't a lot more than 57 especially since LSU didn't have the ball very much, but uh, that was big. You know, he used a ton of motion and Messingham used plenty of motion himself, but Messingham shifted tight ends a lot more across the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, and uh, Klein did a lot more of, of motion 
to, to kind of read what the defense was in, what if they were man or zone, what kind of roll uh, rolling they were going to do other coverage. And then, you know, the fun, you know, the, the, the now screen or almost the tunnel screen, the Knowles off of jet motion to deuce. And then we ran the, uh, the shovel pass screen off of jet motion as well. Um, some good play action calls, I thought. Some, some tweaks to the way we ran our inside zone duo, inside blocking scheme using receivers and tight ends and H-backs to block a little bit differently than we did during the season. And then, you know, we still did some of the staples. We went by formation and ran inside power and had some success on it. And uh, <clears throat> the other thing was a lot of empty. You know, and, and Skylar Thompson and empty was good. And then we did change our alignment of our receivers. We'd bunch them a little bit more where we'd have two receivers or three receivers, even at times almost side by side, which is not something we did a lot during the season either. So those were all tweaks that I enjoyed that uh, I think – can help us be more successful. And I think it's a little bit more quarterback friendly. Um, if you have a quarterback that can, that can make a decision at the line of scrimmage, or you can use your office coordinator to make a decision that I just want to scrimmage with a check with me. So those are the things I saw. I know it's just one game, but he was pretty good. Does the promotion of Colin Klein and, you know, the pieces we have coming back next year, does that raise your expectations for next year? Or is it, is it way too early? I think the common, I mean, my biggest question now will be seeing how healthy Martinez is going to be going into next year. Cause I do think he can do a lot of things. I think him and the combination of him and Klein is a good combo because he's an experienced quarterback. He's seen a lot. I think Klein can use that check with me system and then some audibles at the line of scrimmage that similar way that, that he did with, uh, Thompson in this game so I, I I think that you know we could be an offense that instead of ranking in the 40s maybe bumps into the lower 30s even the upper 20s next year and if we do that I think our defense you know our defense finished in the top 20 in all the metrics this year I mean I don't think a lot of people realized how good our defense became um, and if we can get our offense into the even the lower 30s with a top 20 defense especially with some of the pieces we have then you're talking legitimate chance to get to nine, 10 wins. Definitely. Cats have had two splash transfers in football with the aforementioned Adrian Martinez and now Brandon Jennings, that linebacker. Yeah. What other voids in the squad are you hoping to see filled in the off season to get us to those top 30, top 20 type of offenses and defenses? Yeah, I think it'd be nice to get another nice uh, secondary piece that can play nickel or safety, you know, we're playing that three safety look anyway. So um, find someone that's diverse enough to play in there, maybe another defensive tackle for some depth. Um, if you can go find a receiver, uh, that might be nice. Although, you know, we pretty much have, I think with Knowles and, and Brooks probably back, maybe even Warner, we've got some decent guys back and RJ Garcia is a young guy that could still play Garber maybe so there's some potential there um, but I'd say probably secondary would be in that my number one and maybe defensive tackle would be my number two yeah I think that's fair um, I don't know I may want to see do we still need a safety yeah um, that's 
but yeah, uh, the tackle depth is is very thin, so we got to get a uh, yeah. kind of an impact defensive tackle. But Jimmy, the season cannot come soon enough. Uh, the LSU yep. win and the Klein offensive juggernaut has me kind of licking my lips for the 2022 <laughs> season. Um, and of course, it happens to be the longest off season um, of any sports uh, team that I follow. So it's always painful, but that's, that's really all I have for you today. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Um, do you have any final words you'd like to impart to our, any final wisdom you, you want to give to our listeners? Um, I, the only thing I'd say is, you know, enjoy the win. Don't take a bull win for granted. And then as tough as it is, I know that the team is in the season is in flux, but try to watch some K-State basketball, men's basketball, just for the players, because you have some fun guys to watch, Noel and Pack and Mark Smith and, um, you know, give those guys a shot, watch them if you can, throw on the ESPN Plus once in a while, just to give them a look. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge women's basketball fan, but watch the women, because it looks like they could compete for a Big 12 title. We'll see this week with Iowa State. Um, but enjoy, enjoy the enjoy the winter season, enjoy basketball and, you know, hopefully get things, good things happen and then uh, get ready for some football and, and a, an exciting season next spring, I think. Couldn't have said it better myself, Jimmy. It's always a pleasure. I really do appreciate you coming on. Remember, guys, check out Spotify Green Moon, Green Room free download on um, whatever the Apple store and whatever it is for Android. I don't know, but um, it's great. Join us. Follow us um, at Bosco's Boys, and you'll uh, be able to hop in any show that we um, open. So, Jimmy, you're the man. Thank you, folks. Meet me. Thanks, Grant. Have a good one. Lines up to the right side. Miller will take the shotgun snap from Jason Johnson. He's back to throw. They roll left. Miller throwing for the end zone. He's looking for Lockett, who makes the catch. Touchdown, K-State on the final play of the game. Kevin Lockett from Matt Miller on the last play of the game. Are you kidding me? Kansas State on the last play of the game finds Kevin Lockett at the right pylon. Sports Social Podcast Network.